You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. This is Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my co-hosts, as usual. First, Mrs. Cassie Bryant. How you doing today, Cassie? I'm doing great. Great. It's good to I'm see here, you. Yeah. I mean, I have coffee. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I have a coffee mug. It's okay to be great. It is Monday morning. It is very cold and rainy. Okay. We have we've officially said what you're eating and what day of the week it is and what time it is. We nailed so it. So I've ticked all the boxes. This is what yes. I do. You nailed it. All right. Guess who else is with us today, Cassie? It's my wife, Chelsea Griffin. How are you doing today, Chelsea? I'm doing good. Cassie stole my bit. I was going to mention weather, uh, days of the week. Are you so Uh, cold, Chelsea? Um, I'm doing I'm doing okay. Um, I got a new electric blanket for Christmas. I've been spending a lot of time in the sauna. I've been worried. I've really been pursuing heat like like a hobby. Yeah. (laughs) It really is a hobby for you, pursuing heat. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. She's been wearing a, an electric vest that has like a little, it lights up. So people are always curious, like, why does your, why does your vest look like something out of a sci-fi movie? And that's because it is. Yeah. It is. It's just heated. <laughs> I, I'm from the future and in the future we all have heated <laughs> battery powered clothing. Well, speaking of bringing the heat guys, we've got an incredible guest with yes. us today. Today we get to talk to author, speaker, podcaster, Instagram extraordinaire, mother. Abby Wedgworth is with us today, everybody. Ooh. Abby Wedgworth. I'm sure you're thinking, how can I make myself sound smaller after the <laughs> <laughs> Abby, we're so grateful to have you on with us. How are you doing today? Oh, man. This is a treat. You know, I haven't really stopped to consider how I'm doing today. We, My oh. husband and I took a little... We had some time away from our children this weekend and congrats you know re-entry is just a whole thing was it vacation or neglect okay. like, <laughs> <laughs> like did we lock them in a room and then just yes. spend some time, like, some no, time away from actually, our kids nope we went in with a couple other families in on like the local christian school had an auction and they auctioned off a little place and so we went out with some other families and oh, nice. went this weekend so we escaped the cold and we're in the sunshine on a oh. beach and then back to reality. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so yes. glad you're with us this morning, Abby. Me We've too. been looking forward to this. I don't know if you know this, but every time, I feel like every time Brad, who runs our social posts, like, who would you like to hear on this podcast? Somebody inevitably. Yeah. And usually with a lot of likes and follows, we'll say, Abby Wedgworth, you guys need to have oh, Abby Wedgworth on. Wow. So I'm so glad that we're finally getting to talk with you. That's so humbling. Oh, good. Wow. I'm so glad to talk with you guys. You guys are a gift. Oh. Well, thank you. We love to get to do what we do. Yeah, this podcast is a gift. Well, before we jump into kind of talking about some of the things you've written, you've got an incredible ministry. Would you, for those who are less familiar with Abby Wedgworth, those who are less familiar with you, but also maybe the people that are only familiar with your writing, could you maybe tell us a little bit about your ministry, but also a little bit about your family? Yeah. Okay. So my primary discipleship group are my three sons. And we're under the leadership of my precious husband, David, who just, it's not JV to varsity, but he just went from being a deacon in our church to an elder in our church. So let's go. That's awesome. Let's go. Now, instead of calling him Deacon Dave, I can call him Elder Dave, (laughs) which I commonly do. So yeah. And we have three boys. They're three, five and seven. And it is bananas in our house. (laughs) I mean, it is, we are in a stage, Um, but I call them my primary discipleship group just because they are my most important ministry right now. Motherhood's not the most important work there is, but for me personally, mm-hmm. motherhood is the most important job I do. And then apart from that, kind of like right after I had Will, 
the experience of motherhood was just so much darker for me than I anticipated postpartum. And so I started blogging publicly about that, just applying the gospel to motherhood. And that just took off. I mean, it was for me and then it became for others, you know, so Mm -hmm. I started an Instagram account and then started writing more broadly for other platforms, which was my delight and really did that for like seven years. And then got a book deal after we lost a a baby in the womb between our first and second. And yeah, that was unexpected. It wasn't the the book I wanted to write, but that book has been a gift to me and praise the Lord to other women walking through that particular grief. So I write about pregnancy loss. Um, That book is called Held. It was produced by the Good Book Company. And then um, more recently, I've had a little bit more delightful work (laughs) of writing children's books. It's a little more fun. And there, those books are um, under the umbrella of the Training Young Hearts series. So they're sort of like grace-based behavioral books that just help parents address um, undesired behaviors with a gospel perspective. So I also do the Held podcast. I don't really do that anymore, but it's available for people. It's just a free resource for women who have lost mm-hmm. life in the womb that interviews authors you would know, people like Trillia Newbell. Courtney Reisig, um, just walking through their own experience with miscarriage, offers a little bit of company. Mm. Uh, maybe they can hold out faith for you when your own is kind of slipping out of sight. So that's one of my favorite things I've done, but I'm not currently doing. So now I just write. I mean, I teach the Bible in my local church and I lead a discipleship group of local women and, you know, just waking up every day for the glory of God, <laughs> seeing what we got that. going on. There you, there you go. That felt long. But there's a lot of things in there. Yeah, your book held is something we have actually like a shelf of of uh, your book held in our church, and it's Same. been we such a helpful yeah. resource to give to women. I also miscarried after our first, yes, and um, no, thank you. It was. Mm. It's been. We have a seven, nine, and ten year old girl, so miscarried between the older two, and it was so unexpected. The grief that you know you experience and. You hear all the time that it's common and most of our most of our listeners are parents and for as common as miscarriage is, I would venture to say that many of them have also experienced miscarriage or at least have had friends or family members. And so yeah. we'd love to just hear more about how I mean, you talk about and held how Psalm one thirty nine ministered to you. Yeah. And so we'd just love for our listeners to get to kind of glean from that how um that psalm really served you and ministered mm-hmm. to you during that loss. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm just really encouraged to hear that those books are on yourself. Praise the Lord. I mean, it's just, yeah. that's an answer to prayer because that was one of the things that I prayed was that the the book would be a resource for the church to resource them mm-hmm. when they didn't know how to care for people. Well it has been. It has, it has been has over been. and over again, that's Abby. awesome to hear. That's awesome. Um, that Psalm is such a gift. And there's so much more there than just like the coffee mug inscription yeah. of like, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, which is actually really hard to hear, I think, after you lose a baby. Mm. Like, it's like, well, this didn't seem like it was well-crafted at all because it didn't take. So, you know, I mean, I just was a little bitter, mm. to be honest, afterwards. Um, but the, what came out of that psalm as I studied it was less like what I could think about my body or people as image bearers and more what I could see about God and who he was, which... They're kind of like three movements in the psalm, one where we can really see his omniscience, um, just like that he knows all things, Uh, one where we can see his omnipresence, that he's with us always, no matter where we are, like 
physically or spiritually, which was important mm-hmm. as I was really doubting. And then um, also his omnipotence, just like he's in control of all things, which is also hard to wrestle with as you're suffering. Like yeah. I wouldn't have chosen this. So yeah. And then the end just really speaks, I think, to his goodness and his grace. Um, the psalm ends in, hum- or the psalmist ends the song in humility and repentance. So they're just, yeah, the, the good book came back when I submitted the proposal, which originally was going to be, I just wanted to do it for free online. Like people subscribed and got it to their email inbox. And my friend Kristen Weatherill was like, you know, I think it would be a gift for people to have something tangible since their loss is so intangible. There's mm-hmm. nothing to hold or show for a pregnancy loss. And so she introduced me to them and they were, they were awesome. Um, I would love to hear, I met with a woman yesterday who experienced loss in the fall and her and her husband were, are just grappling with how they even think about trying again um, to get pregnant and and just the fear of experiencing it over and over. And, and I would just love to hear how you'd encourage women after they've had a loss, how they go about really leaning into the desire to have children mm. and being vulnerable with that desire and not letting fear kind of lead their decision making. Yeah, that's a great question. There's an there's an episode of the Health Podcast on this with I think Gretchen Saffles, where she speaks this through this and she wrestles with anxiety really openly, but she speaks to this really beautifully in that episode. But I think we can cling to those same truths that are such a comfort in the wake of loss as we think about walking forward into the unknown. Mm. Just clinging to the to the knowledge. Like there's so much talk about rainbow babies yeah. as if they're redemptive or salvific. And like the path through like, like suffering isn't redeemed on the other side, except for, as we think of like heaven, like, it's not like the baby is the other side of suffering. If you have a rainbow baby, the other side of suffering is glory where there's Mm -hmm. the absence of pain, you know, that is where we'll experience full redemption. But if we learn to see God's grace in our suffering, the redemption he brings in suffering as his presence with us, the promises of his word, which like another baby is not a promise. Not right. to us, at least. Right. But right. there is the promise of his presence with us. There is mm-hmm. the promise that he's working it out for our good. Maybe not like our material earthly good, but our becoming more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And there's the unique promise for sufferers that he will use our suffering to, like, in as much as we receive his comfort, we are able to comfort others. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, like, as you walk forward, you can you can walk forward in good faith that whatever you receive, even if it's a season of waiting that whatever you receive, he will use for his glory and your good, which sounds really trite, but it's not. It's like Mm. miraculous, especially if you're someone who is experiencing Mm. doubt or faithlessness or shame over your body or whatever, that like he he's at work is such a comfort. Mm. And so that's what I would say cling to over and over more than the hope of another child to use because comfort so blinding. Yeah. And so to just harness that situation and say like, I'm riding for your good man. And like, if yeah. you're in the boat with the Lord, you picked a good one to ride the river with. Like he's, mm. he's a, he's, he's in control and he's more on our side, I think, than, than we could ever be. Cause we don't know what he knows, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, like Cassie said, we do, we've sadly had to hand out your book, gotten the opportunity oh. to hand out your book to so many, you know, and yes. we're so grateful for the work you've done there. And it is so common. And our, our churches, Cassie's church, where she works, our church is a lot of young families, a lot of families mm-hmm. trying to have kids for the first time. And, and it is, it's very grievous, you know, 
I wonder, as you're talking about comforting other people, if you were to ever think about writing like a companion piece that was for the church worker or for a dad, like what are the kind of things you think those people who maybe haven't experienced it personally, but you wish they knew? I wish you knew to be able to say this, or I wish you knew that that we think this, or, or, you know, not that you represent every woman who's ever miscarried, you know, it's not like that. But is there anything that you wish the church worker who's listening right now, or the dad who's listening right now, hey, I wish you knew this about what we've been through? Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, the dad companion to this book exists. It's called Ours. It's written by Eric Shoemaker, and it walks through the Gospel of Luke. It's really beautifully practical. It's a daily devotional too, but it's it's really well done and, and I think really accessible for husbands of women who miscarry. Same company. I mean, just produced a, a couple years cart. after mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right. uh, well done. I'm thankful for Eric. Mm. But I think I would say like two things. One, practically, it's really important to understand about miscarriage that it is a worthy grief. Um, I think it's tempting to dismiss or to comfort with something, anything that starts with at least, just like, don't say it. Um, Mm. But to say like, at least you were early, like grief is really complicated. And just because a loss occurs early doesn't mean it's any less sad. Also, if we are going to cling to the doctrine of an Imago Dei, we cannot invalidate a little life by saying it's a lesser life. So, you know, we champion those lives in the womb by grieving their death as much as we Mm -hmm. advocate for their lives. So I would say like validate, validate, validate. This is sad. It's right to cry because I felt so much shame over my grief, you Mm -hmm. know, just like, why am I still such a mess over this? You know, when you should be a mess over it. It really is sad. Right. And and Jesus weeps over death. So like we're Mm -hmm. near to him in that place. The second thing I would say is that it's super physiological, like the experience of miscarriage is complicated because a woman's hormones are in flux and like we're embodied souls, like our, our thinking, our feelings are affected Mm -hmm. by what's going on with our endorphins, with what's going on in our brains. So like after you lose a baby, there's this surge of hormones, just like afterbirth. And I think that a woman needs to be treated with gentleness and reminded of that. Like, Hey, your body's in a fragile spot. Like you should Mm -hmm. rest. You know, like your yeah. mind is in a, in a fatigue spot. So like, how can I give you some mental space? And so those are some areas for like, I think practical <laughs> service is a real gift. And then that you spoke to this, Adam, but I think I would just say like every loss is really unique. And so we do well to ask questions and leave space. So I think like, if you're going to say anything, it's, Hey, this, this life matters. I'm grieving with you. And there's no timetable for this. Like That's we're here good. for you with patience and, and we want to serve you. And, and if you haven't experienced it, I think to say, I don't know what it's like is such a gift or to say like, Hey, I don't know what to do mm-hmm. is such a gift. So yeah, I think leaving space for the griever, but the, the church has a really unique opportunity to, to, to minister to miscarrying women because we believe that those lives are, mm-hmm. are so precious. That's know? so Amen. helpful. Yeah. I think yeah. as our listeners consider their own journeys and the, those that they are in community with to be able to find your, the podcast held and then to look into those resources, the companion resources. Well, I think that will really equip us and even the church worker for how to care for these families because it is it is just such a difficult season. Okay, to turn a little bit towards the other, the new books that you've been writing for kids, which are so lovely and they're so fun. Oh, we um, got to get our hands on some when we were at the Gospel Coalition Conference in September and uh, brought a bunch back for our preschool ministry. But we'd just love to hear oh, what cool. it is. They're so cool. We, um, we love stocking our little preschool classrooms with great resources. 
but would love to hear what inspired those for you because it's a very different it's a very different line of work writing children's books than yeah. writing about you know your grief and devotionals and that kind of thing for adults. Yeah, it's been much more fun. Yes, <laughs> we'll say that. Like as soon as you, uh, as soon as you mention them, I'm like, oh, now we get to smile. I love these books. <laughs> yeah, oh, I love these books. I have to be so careful how I talk about them because I forget I wrote them because I like them so much and so quickly. I'm like, oh, I hope this doesn't sound like self promotion because I'm just so pumped up about them. I want to mm-hmm. just celebrate them. These books were born out of a refrain we used with our kids, which was a sort of something I grabbed from a secular resource called Easy to Love difficult to discipline, which has some, it's a great common grace parenting book, but is also secular and filled with theological faucets. (laughs) So, but a lot to grab when you read with wisdom and they had a refrain in there about what hands were for. So we adapted that refrain to include gospel principles. Mm -hmm. So it was really born out of a response to my kids hitting, pinching, pushing, like any ungodly way they use their hands that's developmentally normal, but still sinful because they're hurting other people. Um, And so we would just say like, hey, you know, hands are for clapping, they're for waving, high-fiving. Like, did God make your hands to hate your brother? No, he did not. (laughs) And as they got older, it's, hey, here's the good news. Jesus had hands. He was a kid just like you, hands the same size as yours one time. And he only ever used his hands the way God wanted him to. Amen. So the good news for you is that when your hands blow it, you can fold your hands and ask for forgiveness. And if you're in Christ, God mm. always forgives. You can open your help, hands and ask for help. And the Holy Spirit is your helper. And you can, he makes your heart more like Jesus. So your hands choose his way. I'm like crying yeah. right now because it's just, it, it's such a gift to rehearse the gospel yes. with your kids. Um, and to be bodily. And to, and to have. It's like yes, to be physical. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And what a gift too to think of Jesus. Like I think they picture Jesus as like, you know, if we're closer to Easter, he's a man on the cross. <laughs> and like if we're closer to Christmas, he's a baby in a manger. But to think of him as a child mm-hmm. who was perfect for them, I think is important that like he had the same hormonal surges my boys have had at age five. <laughs> and like the same frustrations with communication, mm-hmm. probably, that they had at age two. And like he was perfect for them. And that's something they they need to know so desperately. Um, so I think it's harder, like it's parents ask me all the time, like, how do I share the gospel with my kids? And that is how you meet their failure with the truth of the gospel so that they develop the habit. I meet my failure with the truth of the gospel and they're carried out all the way to glory. Yeah. That's why I get so pumped up about the books. So that come on, I love your emotions. around it. Thank you. The series is right now, um, hands and mouths are out. So they address like any way you would sin with your mouth or your hands. And then eyes and ears released in February and we've got feet and feeling coming. I love Let's it. go. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, this this really hits home with us because our son, our youngest son, my baby, was the victim of a prolific biter at his oh preschool gosh. when he was little. <laughs> I was going to I was like, was it one of your other kids? That's what uh, no, nope. Nope. Some no some, some anonymous some no biter. name biter. They wouldn't give us the name of the biting oh, child. Multiple times a day. He had he had bit. teeth marks He's on delicious. his face one day. Oh gosh. He, yeah, he is so adorable. I feel like I could eat him alive, but then when that child put his teeth in my son's face Ugh. it that puts teeth to the expression eat their truly. face <laughs> yeah truly how do you work work in the ideas of following jesus example in into a book like what are mouths for mm-hmm. yeah because we're gonna we're gonna find that family and we're gonna get them a copy <laughs> i know i'm like do we need another one that's like turn the other cheek <laughs> what are cheeks for? JK, put up your hands. Yeah. Hands can be for self-defense. Maybe we can edit that out. 
<laughs> um, yeah. So it basically every, each of the books follow the same pattern, which I worried like, okay, will these be too repetitive? But repetition is a gift to the toddler Amen. mind. Anything you read yeah. in education, especially, especially classically, like the more they hear it and especially in different ways, the more they grasp it. So each book follows the same pattern. Like here are awesome things you do with this body part. Here are a bummer of a thing you do with this body part. And here's Jesus with this body part. And here's what he did with it. You know, so Jesus uses his mouth to tell the truth and to speak kindly to others, you know, to speak in love to other people. And there's some illustrations and examples to that. But yeah, each one points to him that way. So, you know, he used his eyes to see people. He didn't turn away from their pain. And he never looked down on others. Like he esteemed them as image bearers. And his ears, he listened to God's voice. He tuned out Satan's lies. He, he heard the cries of others, you know. He's I love just, that. Yeah, to go where God told him to. Amen. The great thing about Jesus is that um, it just he, it never fails. You know, like we're we're never going to run out of examples. Yeah, of, and we're uh, never going to run uh, out of grace. And each body part too eventually points to that. Like he spread his hands out on the cross, or the most mm. recent, like he closed his eyes in death, um, so that we can be forgiven. He opens them again, so we can live with hope. What a powerful image! That's so yeah. good. Closed his eyes, yeah. opens his eyes. His That's feet good. walked up to the hill to to be crucified. Then walked out of the grave. Yeah, it's good, Abby. man. It's she good could news. just go. Just keep going. Just keep. The gospel is good news. We could talk about it all day. Let's. That's do right. It. That's right. Yeah. Abby, we we love to focus our conversations on the Family Discipleship Podcast on spiritual leadership in the home. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a window into what following Jesus together looks like right now in y'all's stage and season for the Wedgworth family, and yeah. just some examples of what y'all's gospel rhythms are? Yeah. Well, I think I want to start by encouraging your listeners that we are way out of routine right now. So if we were doing this like mm, in November, I would have answered really differently. And I think that's probably a gift, the timing of this podcast, because in a, in a normal season, we're like waking up every day, reason, reading the Bible together at breakfast. And my husband and I had a conversation recently of like, hey, this isn't working anymore. Like he's needing to get mm. into the office earlier. And so we're like, okay, what do we need to do? How do we need to pivot? So we're shifting family worship to the evening. Edrew always says, if the plan isn't working, change the plan. <laughs> and there's yeah. so much grace in that. So we're sort of shifting and we're trying to figure out what formal discipleship looks like with these ages and stages and our current parental needs. And we don't know right now. Uh, the elements that we think are really important to hit as we disciple our kids are prayer, Bible reading, community life, and growth in grace. So it's important to us that our kids understand community life, what it means to be a part of a church, um, that the church isn't a place, it's a family. We worship there on Sundays. We spend life with these people during the week. And then beyond that, relationally, that pours out into evangelism. We want to invite people into this family. And they know that we're intentional about who we host. We had a weird situation the other day where he invited some people over and will wanted to get to it our oldest and was like all right everybody raise your hand if you love jesus and i was like this yes. is not a strategy <laughs> we were getting <laughs> the plan, uh, is the plan working oh, it, it lands goodness. a lot softer when it's a child you I know, know I've, we've seen our kids yeah. do that too and 
Uh, it just it hits different than when an oh, adult man. says to everybody, um, yeah. you know, raise your hand if you're saved. Uh, but when a ch- when a when a child does it, it's it's innocent. We had a, uh, a, yeah. a friend over from a refugee friend from the neighborhood who was over, and one of our sons asked him, like, "Hey, do you know who Jesus is?" And the kid goes, "No, I don't know who Jesus is." And, and uh, do you remember what he said? Man. Yeah, he's like he's this. Uh, there's a cartoon about him. It's called Superbook. You but he watch it. but he's also real. <laughs> but he's also real. Yeah. <laughs> We're like that works. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Okay. And then prayer. So we're praying with them no matter what. I mean, I don't know that could look like before bedtime, before meals, like every time we discipline that, that there's the time to like pause and say like, Lord, I need your help to be kind, guide me in wisdom. They'll watch me pray in a heat of moment. Like, Ooh, Lord, you know, <laughs> groanings to be deeper words. And then yeah, just prayers of repentance will guide them in and prayers of gratitude. You know, like as we behold a beautiful sunset or whatever. And then growth and grace is just is just discipline and Bible reading. We use a lot of kids' Bibles and then try to just hide God's word in their heart and bring it out in in moments when we need it, which is all the time. But we're focusing a lot right now on words from the epistles about how we treat one another. So good. Amen. <laughs> yeah. It's good. That's critical. Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrim's Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, Family 10, to get 10% off your entire order. Sometimes hard things happen. Sometimes they happen to children. When God Makes Scribbles Beautiful is a beautifully illustrated book that helps kids trust that God can take their hard things and use them for good. This picture book imagines that the hard things in a child's life is a scribble following him everywhere. Readers will journey through God's promises from the Bible, inspiring hope and faith in God's good and redemptive plan. Hard things don't always go away, but God can turn them into something beautiful. Available at BeautifulScribbles.com. Download a free parent connection guide and printable scripture cards. Yeah, well, our kids are 8, 10, and 12, and we've always done our family worship every night, um, which has always worked well for us. And we have three boys as well. But uh, yeah, we've really loved it, and it's worked well, but we're in a season where we're going, maybe we have to change things because our kids go to bed late, and we are propping our eyelids open, going, the only reason we're awake is because we're trying to stay up for family discipleship. And I'm like, can't we disciple them and then tell them to 
do whatever they do. We want to go to bed, bed. you know, or they, they're having more like later night activities and stuff like that. So, uh, we're, we're in the process too, just trying to adjust and be flexible. But, um, the Lord's been so faithful in showing up in that time for us, no matter how tired we are or what, what effort we put into it, the Lord does more. Well, and doubtless you guys are drawing from the seasons where you faithfully spent those more formal times in, in everyday life. And I think ultimately discipleship is just living the Christian life in front of your kids. You know, mm-hmm. like if you That's, can't find yeah. that formal pocket, you just keep going right? with just being faithful in front of them. Absolutely. As you guys have been discipling your kids, can you think of and just give our listeners some examples of some of your favorite memories of spiritual conversations with your kids? Oh, man. Last week, I think, was the just the ultimate, like, this is probably the best ever. Our our middle kid is having a little struggle. I want to honor him, but I think probably a lot of parents with kids who are five are having this struggle where, like, every time we leave the house, he just falls on the ground and starts screaming. And I'm really tired. trying so hard to connect. And then sometimes you're saying like, I'm going to pick you up now and carry you to the car because we have to go. And this is all I can do right now is just put you in the car. He's just struggling and made me late the other morning to our homeschool co-op. And so on the way, you just, you know, having a monologue about getting ready on time and you know, I'm not doing the best at this moment. And our middle kid, did, or our, our oldest son did two things that were super insightful. One, he said, hey, mom, at like when I took a breath, hey, mom. I was like, yeah, he said, everybody's late sometimes. And I, I was like, you know what? He is getting this. And he pointed out, you are loving being on time more than you are loving Walter right now. And he was right. And I received that rebuke from my brother, who is also my seven-year-old. And and the beauty of it was I felt like the Lord was just gently <laughs> like reminding me that he uses broken vessels. Because here I am, a mom who is like not adorning the gospel in this moment. But in a previous moment, when I have said over and over to them, like, we'll pause a show and say, hey, what's that person loving? this villain or this person making around choice, like they're loving power, they're loving money, they're loving control. Like they've learned to see that in themselves and they saw it in me. So like he's doing gospel work when he says, mama, you're loving being on time more than Walter. So I received it. And then he said something else, which um, he's picked up from the New City Catechism. He said, also, mom, no human has been able to keep the law of God perfectly since the fall. So, you know, like you, Walter, there's grace for you. And I'm just like, you can drive just like here are the keys. <laughs> um, but this has been a really cool thing for me because there's just so much noise right now. Like it's just wild at our house yeah. and so much chaos. And some days I'm like, what are we even doing? And that morning in particular, I'm just blowing it, you know? And and yet here's the truth of the gospel coming in and like bringing peace, creating an opportunity for repair, which is more valuable than getting it right. That's um, right. And, and giving me the chance to repent in front of them. So that's probably my favorite to date experience. That's exceptional. That's incredible, uh, Abby. What a great story. Cool? Yeah, I mean, I was blown. I'm really it. touched by that. Me too, man. But I, if anybody saw me in that moment, they were like, well, I'm not reading anything else she ever writes because this girl, <laughs> she does not know what's going on. She's like, what are watches for? What are clocks for? What are... <laughs> I was like, I literally in that moment, I was like, I just want to get ready and go by myself somewhere and be on time. 
<laughs> That's awesome. I have nowhere to be, and I'm going to be right on time. I'm going to yes. bask in the glory of punctuality. <laughs> my own shoes no on, one and no one else is. Oh. Abby, when you think about uh, your role as a mother and as a disciple maker, are there any like favorite scriptures or passages you just come back to always that just kind of like shape? those for you? What what scriptures come to mind? Yeah, I think just Romans 7 and 8. That's a lot. But I think one of the things I just really wrestle with is like, I just want my flesh to not be part of this situation anymore. I hate mm. it. Like, I hate it. Just messing up. <laughs> Obviously, I would like to be on time everywhere I go. But that says more about who I am, which is like, I just don't like to feel like I blew it. Yeah, and too. I find myself wanting to be, I want to be like Jesus more than I want Jesus. <laughs> like, so mm. that I don't have to feel bad about myself so that I don't have mm. to need him. I just want to break from the whole thing, you know? So I think like to feel just some friendship in the apostle Paul as he's like, ugh, wretched mom that I am who will deliver me from the body of death that I'm in. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Like he's doing it every day. Even as I blow it, he's meeting me with truth through the mouth of my seven-year-old, you know? Yeah. So I think that's a really important one. And then I am just kind of on a journey of learning what it looks like to receive God's compassion when I can only imagine his condemnation. And so mm. another one is just Isaiah 43, where he talks about being a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he gently leads those who are nursing or those who have young. And so just to imagine his gentleness is really helpful to me as, as I am not tender with myself Yeah, um, to see that the judge of all the world responds to my struggles with gentleness is really helpful to me. Abby, you're reading my mail a little bit. I mean, I, I spend so much time <laughs> thinking about that, not the mom part, obviously, but I do think about it as a parent all the time. I, I I've said this a million times. Chelsea knows this about me that the parable of talents like haunts me all the time mm -hmm. where you go, God gave me something. Am I doing good enough with it? Am I like it? Like I twist God's parable about like the delight of entering the joy of my master because I've taken what he's given me and I've just given my life to him. And I go, yeah, but what if I'm the guy who's burying things all the time and I'm not doing good enough job? And I almost like look at myself as the guy with the middle talents. I go, what? I, I basically saying, I don't have five talents. That guy's five talents. Mm -hmm. But there's no part of that story where Jesus says, and the guy who only got three talents, he should have realized he should have been the guy with five. Yeah. But I treat myself like that's the Lord's work all the yeah. time. Yeah. There's something in the scripture that I've twisted where, where the Lord says, you cannot please me if you don't have faith. I've made it almost like it's really hard to please God. You know what? Instead I was about of, to bring up anything apart from faith is sin. That's like why he says it. Because only by yes. grace, man. Yes. Yeah. But it, like the op, like it implies if you have faith, listen, you're pleasing God all the time. Yeah. And I need to hear that. I need to sit in that. I need to soak in that. Uh, one of the other things you brought up earlier, and I'd love to follow up on, Abby, you talked about just how community is important to your family and to what you're discipling your kids into. Could you give us a little picture of, you know, your, your husband's now an elder. He's been a deacon. You guys are involved in your church. Mm -hmm. What role does your church play in coming alongside the Wedgworths in discipling your boys? I mean, it's, it doesn't look like programs. I'm going to be honest. Like our children's ministry has been riding the struggle bus and a lot of turnover, which is not, I think the com the average, like period before somebody turns over in kids ministry, it's like a year and a half or something. So I know that's not a unique yeah, it's 18 struggle. months. That's it. Yeah. yeah. My kids just saw me step into that role, which we don't know is if it was wise, like looking back, it, it was hard on our family this season to do that. But we're now in a place where somebody has stepped in who's really desirous to bring stability to that role. 
but it's not necessarily through programming. Like obviously Will learned the new city catechism. That's something we implemented when I was on that, leading that team. But I think a lot of it is like letting the kids come back in for communion. That's one way they come alongside us. We get to talk about our, the elements with the kids. Like our oldest son is begging to be admitted to the table. So he's getting ready to have some conversations about that. Then I think he's ready, you know? So, and I love that they will conduct that interview. Like an elder from our church will sit down with him and walk through the gospel, what it is. And yeah, but they let them back in so that we walk forward as a family to receive the elements, which I think is really, really neat and important. Um, And we keep them in there for the singing too. Our church doesn't do any special music and our worship pastor is really committed to just stepping away from the microphone so that we can hear one another sing. Because he just says corporate songs, such a gift, man. Like you're in a season of yeah. doubt, you listen to others sing for you. You're in a season of weeping, you let others sing over you. That's Yeah, good. and then our kids who don't sing during this service, I mean, they are wildly disruptive. But at home, they're singing the songs they're learning. And so I think our church is coming alongside of it, us and just teaching the truth of the gospel to our kids through the songs and the liturgy that they that they choose. But the individuals in our church, they love our kids. And I say they're wildly disruptive and like no one is glaring at them. Like that's great. Part of the problem is they're running to other people to sit in their laps like 20 minutes in because they saw an old person they love and are like, can I go sit with Mr. Chuck or, you know, (laughs) so I think just loving them. And then they've watched like, you know, in seasons of, I suffer with postpartum mental health stuff in like a really sad way. We're not going to, we have, we have in, in wisdom decided our family is complete just for the protection of it. But they've watched people come in and do our laundry. They've watched people come in and bring us meals. And they they see that and then say, like if we, somebody recently lost a baby and my kids are like, we need to bring them a meal. You know, like they just are participating wow. in community life. And so they see it and, and know what it looks like. I love that. And both what we're doing and how we're being loved on, you know. Abby, you've been so vulnerable, so quick to share mm-hmm. with us what's really hard today. I'm so grateful for that because yeah. I think it'd be really easy to come on and just present a false, polished version of your family or of yourself. And I'm so grateful. I think a lot of people who who read you like we have read you or follow you like we have followed you know this about you, that you are not trying to um, self-promote, as you said earlier, mm-hmm. you're not trying to... Uh, create some uh, false idea, some veneer of what it looks like to follow Jesus, but really following it. And it's really an encouragement. Abby, I hope you know that your ministry is an encouragement to so many people. And I've sat on the couch with and cried with so many women who have experienced a loss, so many people who are experiencing grief. And so for you to take what the Lord has given you, which is so difficult, and take that and, and use it not just as a comfort for yourself to know what God has done, but to also spend your time putting that down on paper to say, I hope this blesses some other people is a huge deal. I mean, that I hope it was to some extent, maybe therapeutic and a blessing to you as well, but I can guarantee your words have had weight with a lot of people who really needed them. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if for just a second, if we could just kind of open it up for just a moment to say, if you knew right now, like there's a mom listening who's going, oh, I relate to that. I relate to that struggle. I relate to the, like my kids having a hard time in church or my family trying to find a way to build a rhythm or my mental health being, uh, um, you know, affected by how hard this has been or the grief we've been through. 
You've shared already in a way that's really encouraging, but is there anything that sticks out to you that go, I hope moms are hearing me say this, or I hope somebody in their life, a mom or dad, is reminding you that this is true about you or what God has said? Like, how yeah. can we right now just be an encouragement to parents who are listening? Yeah, I think just the presupposition that God is at work uh, is just the thing to be clung to. I was texting with someone who's so dear to me last night. It was like, lost it on her kids. Her kids were all losing it. She's... Her husband's on a trip and I was like, I am praying for you. And she was like, what good is it? Like, what is, what does mm. prayer even do? You know? And I think sometimes we just get so bogged down in the heart of it. And like, it is hard down here, you know, like post fall world sucks to live in. <laughs> it's hard, yeah. you know? And so I would say like, it doesn't make the gospel any less credible when your circumstances or even you suck. Mm. You know, like the gospel is good news because you suck sometimes. Like the mm, gospel right. is good news because your circumstances suck. Like this is what God is doing to fix it and it needs to be fixed. So I would just say like, if you're in a season where you're like, this doesn't feel like it's working for me, you know, like I don't feel like God is changing me or like I'm begging for this to be taken away and it's not, or I want these circumstances to be different or for sanctification to be quicker or for these promises to take root in my kids and make them quit this stupid behavior that's going to kill them. Like, or, or for God to slap my husband upside the head and like stop him from looking at porn, like whatever it is. I would say the, the worse it seems around you, the more we cling to the truth. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think about the disciples like saying to Jesus, where else can we go? You have the right. words of life. And that is true. I think I would just say that to any woman who's like in a season of suffering or where it's really hard. And it's why I, I like want so badly to be shiny. I want to be liked, you know, like I want people to think I'm awesome. And it's so much more important that they see that God is good where I'm not, because that is the human experience. Like none of us are really actually that awesome. (laughs) We need to be redeemed. So I would just say, cling to the presupposition that God is at work. Just put the put that pair of glasses on, glue them to your face, and don't take them off. And then look around at your suffering, your circumstances, your crummy mental health, whatever, and just re- tell yourself and ask him to show you. Like, God is at work. Lord, where are you at work? Show me. Like, lead me on that path and to step in and, and partner with you there. So good. Amen. That was a good word. Thank you, Abby. Mm-hmm. On a brighter note. <laughs> 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 that was a bright note, by the way. God uh, is always yeah, at work, but but right. but you're right. We look around and uh, we see constant evidence for the need for a savior. And doesn't it stink when it's in our houses? That's just the hardest part. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but praise God that He came. I I mean, yeah. as we go through the Old Testament, I just always think about like what what would it be like to just hope for a savior and to think about the prophecy but for us to be on the other side and to go he he came and he did it and and we know it's true and we, yes we're waiting for a second coming but to know that the gospel has been satisfied you know that we're not we're not waiting like people yeah, right. used to wait um and so praise god for that because yeah. yes, we look around in our own home. We do not have to leave the house. And while in America, it's it's an easy myth to go like, the problem is always outside of me. It's those people, that group. As believers, it's okay to be honest and say, no, it, what's wrong with the world is me. Yeah. Um, it's me right here. And I need fixing. I need a solution. And 
Praise God, he has sent it. Yeah. When it comes to leading your family, leading your boys as you and your husband do that, where where do you guys find or look for joy in mm. leading your family? Yeah. Gosh. This sounds really practical, probably, but like outside. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is where we experience joy as a family. I think in giving them the things they need, which like the number one need for boys, David Thomas says is space, <laughs> just like mm. to be out, uh, not inside four walls. And we joke that like, sometimes our home can feel like Star Wars, that scene where like the walls are pressing together. It's just getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> so we love to be outside as a family. And like, uh, we'll regularly ask each other, like what's delighting you about Walter lately? What's delighting you about Henry lately? Because I think that's such an important thing that when they imagine our faces, they don't just see consternation, they see delight. It makes it easier to conceive of a father who loves them and delights in them, rejoices over them with singing regardless of their behavior. And we have found the easiest place for us to do that is outside. Yeah. It almost feels like a dose of that, what we're waiting for. Like, yeah, we, we can see glimpses of glory when we're on the water together, or on the beach together, or in our yard together. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like the garden. Yeah. Restored. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Abby, I'm so grateful for you, for your ministry. I'm so grateful for your family, how you let us have a window into your family today and into your grief today as well. If, if people want more, if people want to keep up with you, can you tell us a little bit about like where people can find more about you, what you're writing and what you're got coming next? Yeah. And then also before we let you go, would you mind just taking a second to let us know how uh, our listeners and how the Griffin family and Cassie can be praying for you? Oh, Thank you. Gosh, you've been such an encouragement. Yeah, abbywedgeworth.com has kind of all the things. Um, Someone told me to do that. (laughs) And then also (laughs) I have a newsletter, which is where I'm putting more of my personal stuff now. The Instagram feels less and less safe, just takes more and more time and attention for me and um, opens me up to hard things to hear. Sometimes my DMs are on reels that go viral. You can't control who's seeing them. So my newsletter is where I share most of my parenting stuff. And then, yeah, Instagram, there are nuggets on there about parenting and life. And it's less vulnerable than than the newsletter. But um, I'll be at TGCW doing a breakout Fun. session. Or it's an auxiliary event Saturday morning on just grace and motherhood with Sarah Walton and Linda Green. Um, are we worried about this phone ringing? <laughs> I think Brad you know will fix it. <laughs> he can fix it or we can just ignore it. Every it's, mom it's and every dad life. out there knows yeah. your phone rings. I'm like, I'm pretty right? sure listeners are probably pretty good at tuning stuff out. <laughs> it's yeah. probably one of the listeners calling to pray for you right yeah. now. Oh my goodness. So how can we pray for you? I know I'm in my in-laws house. Yeah, I <laughs> would just appreciate prayer for wisdom. You know, I teared up as you're encouraging me about the writing thing because I think people look at it and think it's easy. Like someone messaged me right. the other day and was like, I'm so bummed your pages turned into self-promotion of your books and not Whoa. sharing parenting stuff. Could you consider going back to that? And I just was so bummed because I was like, dude, this is service. Like, I don't know what people think I get paid, <laughs> but like <laughs> writing these kids books is a service. It like is parenting. And also like in the seasons where I'm posting less, it's because I'm doing my life more. Like there's such Amen. a cost to producing that free content yeah. for people. Like if I'm writing and I'm paying a sitter to not be with my kids, to try to help you with yours. And the most important oh, yeah. work for me to do is with them. So it's just tricky, right. man. Like, and I think too, the stewardship of, of serving the big C church, like the larger context versus my local context, it's just really, it's not easy to discern. So I would love prayers for discernment. I'm sitting on two book proposals. I've been sitting on for a long time. Cause I'm just like, is this the season to do this? 
Hmm. So honestly, I would just love prayers for wisdom and discernment about how to steward each platform that I have, um, which I never sought to grow, and how to steward my gifts and my local context, and how to make sure that my kids do not grow up and say, my mom was always ministering to someone else. Yeah. Praise God for you. Yeah, that's hard to figure out. I'm so thankful for David. I'm always like, let me ask David first. That's my nearest thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know what? So I'd like to say it's not refreshing. I wish it was more common, but it is refreshing because there are so many people who don't understand how many people on Instagram are using their kids as content creation, yeah. are using their platform in order to self-promote. Yeah. And there's something very icky about that to me, there like is. very ungodly. Yeah. But at the same time, there's people like you who are willing to say like, uh, warts and all, here's what's going on in our family because I want to be helpful to you. I am yeah. going to take what the Lord's given me and try to invest it into the kingdom and say, it's not just going to stay behind our front door. I'm going to yeah. try to bless others with it. Yeah. And at the same time, not doing it as some kind of side hustle, get rich quick scheme. Mm-hmm. Guess who, guess how awesome I am. I need to be, you're not chasing fame and celebrity. Yeah. You're pursuing righteousness and God's glory. And so I'm so grateful for that in you, Abby. Well, I'm trying to set boundaries too. Like sometimes it's at their expense, you know, like even now I'm like, yeah. should I have said while there's falling on the floor? You know, like <laughs> you want to honor them at every turn. It's like, I'm not going to film totally. it. Yeah. I'm not going to film it. Right. Like, look at this right. and here's how I'm right. going to handle it. So that's another reason I'm sort right. of not doing that as much on Instagram is like, how do I Good. share our home life and honor our kids? It's just tricky. Yeah. 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 And uh, we see from Jesus ministry and his life that I think this is in the message version. It's, it's haters going to hate. <laughs> <laughs> that's Taylor Swift, I think. Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> and so you go, man, you try to, to handle something gentle and with wisdom and discernment and go, man, I hope this honors God. And we see this all the time as Adam, Adam has planted and led a church. And I think he leads it really beautifully and really humbly. And he's still, he is just a man. And yeah. the emails people uh, send sometimes would just blow your mind. It and hurts you're go, too, I, man. You want to believe it doesn't. Does. Yeah. And well, and I'm close to him. And so I'm going, well, I know his heart. So even if he said the wrong thing or whatever, but to have somebody just like come with, uh, with venom yeah. in their words. I don't even know if they mean to sometimes too. They just like, no, yeah. I, I think they just, I think we have, we have let our like celebrity culture, even in the church where like, why is it a thing even to be a yeah. Christian celebrity? I don't know, but we've let that kind of um, dehumanize some people in our eyes yeah. and, and the people that can deliver those words. Sometimes it would, they would have a really hard time receiving them, but they assume you can take it or Adam right. can take it or it's just Instagram. So it's not, it's not like the person receiving it is a real person, but but we have such fellowship with Christ and and going when I am obeying the Father mm-hmm. and pursuing the good of those around me, uh, there are going to be people that hate it mm-hmm. and hate me. Yeah, and, and the wisdom of God is folly you to the right. outside world. So that's when like a real goes viral. Right. That's when it gets really ugly. It's because people who don't right. know Christ or whatever. But I should be blessing the Lord. They're seeing it. You know. Amen. Right. Yeah. Amen. Right. Amen. That's right. Yeah. We can pray for that like tender heart and thick skin, right? To keep being, uh, keep caring for the kids, caring for the adults you get to speak to Mm -hmm. and a thick enough skin to say, and if the Lord, uh, if I'm hated, so was the Lord, you know, haters going to hate. Is that what you said? Is that in the gospels? Yeah. Okay. It's good. right next to dance like no one's watching. <laughs> well, since God helps those who help themselves, oh let's uh... <laughs> Abby, thanks so much for being on with us today. Seriously. What, what a, a treasure. What yeah. a treat. So grateful to you guys for having me. 
Well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple your families, help us out by giving us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can visit one of our sponsors. We'd really love it if you share this episode with one of your friends. If you want to keep up with us, you can join the conversation by following the Family Discipleship Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you listeners. We'll be back with another episode next Monday morning.